Father, once again, we come before you on a Sunday morning, and this is a special Sunday morning in that it's designated as Mother's Day. We just ask, Lord, that you would give us a time together about your word, Lord, that you would encourage us, that you would strengthen us, and that you would lead us in the direction that we should go. We ask for your blessings and your work in our hearts and in our lives, that we may glorify thee. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. About men singing. And praise the Lord for that. And our men being willing to devote the time to that. And of course, today is Mother's Day. And uh, most of you know the history. It's kind of interesting that the uh, woman who was responsible for lobbying Congress and Uh, all of the things to get a special day dedicated to motherhood had invested so much of her life in trying to get mothers recognized that she never married and never became a mother herself. And um, I'm uh, uh, not against that kind of devotion, but I'll tell you the greatest thing that anybody can accomplish in their life is just serving God. Just doing what God would have you to do. Uh, I was not able to find it, uh, find this, and, and um, don't go looking for it. It's not really that necessary, but uh, several years ago, someone went through and uh, tried to define motherhood as a job and listed the job requirements there and then went on some college campuses and interviewed the young students and started talking about, uh, when you get out of college, uh, we have a job opportunity for you. And said, well, what is that? Well, uh, you're on call seven hours, uh, seven days a week, 24 hours a day. Uh, and, And there are no breaks. There are no vacations. Uh, and went on to, well, what's the pay for this job? Nothing. He said, what in the world are you talking about? And I remember the one part was, oh, motherhood, I need to call my mommy. And I would just a girl started crying and all of that when she realized everything that her mother did so that she could be there at school. And, of course... Uh, Mother's Day, supposed to preach a sermon about mothers, and that, that's one subject I, I have very little personal experience at. Amen? Uh, but uh, my wife has a lot of experience, and, and yet what we're going to do is we're going to spend a little time in the Bible. You, you don't need experience to know what the Bible says about something. Amen? You just need to read it and understand. And, and uh, I'd like us to start in Hebrews chapter 11. Hebrews chapter 11, and in Hebrews chapter 11, we have uh, uh, several women mentioned, and and many also, uh, not by name, but uh, uh, in stories, and yet, We have one that was mentioned for being a mother, and that was Sarah in verse 11. It says, Through faith also Sarah herself received strength to conceive seed, 
and was delivered of a child when she was past age because she judged him faithful who had promised. Therefore sprang there even of one, and him as good as dead, so many as the stars of the sky in multitude, and the sand which is by the seashore innumerable. And so we have Sarah mentioned here. And this is God's testimony about Sarah. It says that she received strength to conceive seed and was delivered of a child when she was past age. How did she do that? The Bible says through faith. And the God judged her faithful and she judged God faithful who had made the promise. Now, how many of you know the whole story of Sarah? If we would just read what was in the book of Hebrews, we miss out on all the doubt, all the problems, all the issues. Uh, And what I want you to understand about this is sometimes we try to help God out. You ever done that? You don't have to raise your hand. You have. Uh, you've tried to do things. and You see, we, we know what God wants us to, wants to do because the Bible says so. Amen? God had told Sarah that Abraham was going to have a son. And you'd figure, uh, as they entered the land of Canaan, uh, Abraham was 75, Sarah's about 65 at this point in time. Uh, that uh, biological clock was past ticking. I mean, it was done. Uh, and yet God had made a promise and Sarah believed that promise. But sometimes we're influenced by the world in which we live, are we not? And she said, well, if I can't have a child on my own, maybe my servant can have a child in my place. And Sarah forced Hagar into a relationship that was unscriptural, unbiblical, ungodly, in every way was wrong. And Sarah got a son. His name was Ishmael. God shall hear. And yet when God gives testimony here in Hebrews chapter 11, it says through faith. How many of you are glad that God forgives sin? How many of you are glad that when we try to help God out, He's patient enough not to just zap us and start all over again. Amen? And so, if we want to learn something from Sarah, could we learn this? Waiting on God. How hard is it to sit still? 
Uh, I think Assurance sang that song. We laugh at it. Every time we hear it, we call it Stephen's song. Standing still is hard to do is one of the lines out of the song. And if you know Stephen, you know why we joke about that. Uh, uh, but Stephen came by it honestly. I mean, it's just part of the family heritage there. If, you're gonna, if there's something to do, you better get doing it. Amen? And that's, that, that is a part of us. Most of us uh, are... Uh, are not just wanting to sit around waiting for life to happen to us. We want to do something. Could we say amen to that? I mean, the Bible is not... Sometimes we preach a passive Christianity because everything about our Christian life is all about God. It's not about us. You don't help God save you. He does all the work. If you do anything in your service for God... Without God's help, sin, isn't it? And yet, I, I will tell you that if we will get in the proper mode, in the direction of following the Lord, there are some times where God will have us sit and wait, but you'll find yourself with more to do then you have time to get it done. You see, if we could learn anything from Sarah, it's waiting on God. You see, there's lots of things that we would like to see God do. Amen? But only God can do them. But there are a lot of things that you can do. Like showing up at church. Amen? If you're saved, what should be the next thing that you do? Get baptized. Amen? You should serve the Lord and You say, I I want to be like Joanna and go to the Philippines. Well, maybe the Lord hasn't called you to do that. But you could get a handful of tracks and go across the street. Amen. You can be faithful in your praying for the missionaries, in your missions giving. You say, but I can't give that much. Listen, God doesn't need you to give that much. He needs you to give what He directs you to give. You see, Isaac's name was what? Ishmael was God shall hear. Isaac's name was God shall laugh. Somebody said, God doesn't have a sense of humor. Oh, He most certainly does. Here we have Sarah trying to go through all this stuff and manipulating people and moving things, trying to have a son. God said, that's not the way it's going to work. And Abraham had offered one of his servants uh, as his heir, Eliezer of Damascus. And God said, give it a break, Abraham. I will get it done in my time, in my way. How many of you have ever found that God moved too fast for you? 
How many of you had problems with God moving too slow? Ah, there we go. We got a few honest people there willing to raise their hands. And if we will just look at the example of this mother, the Bible says that through faith she received strength to conceive seed and bear a son, 90 years old. Let me tell you, it takes a lot of strength and a lot of sacrifice to bring a little child into the world. That's just normal. But try to do that at 90 years old. I can't imagine. I don't want to imagine. That's God's work. And we have to trust Him with it. And Sarah is teaching us a lesson about faith. This is the most important one. You see, every one of us have tried and failed to do something trying to serve God. Amen? And usually, when we try to do something to serve God, we make a bigger mess than we even begin to understand. That's the way it is. But if we can learn something from Sarah... It's simply this. It's not a sin to live a daily, boring, mundane life until God's ready to do what He promised He's going to do. You see, that's the really important part. Often given the illustration... I don't remember every meal my wife has prepared for me. But I have to work very carefully to keep them from appearing to others. Amen? It's the real Christian life. God praised Sarah. He forgave her of her sin for manipulation and trying to get things done. He erases that from the record. And in God's testimony of Sarah, she is one who judged him faithful. And yet God said, I'm going to remind you about your lapse in judgment every day. By Every time you call Isaac, you're going to be calling, God shall laugh. And I'm sure that maybe that laughter was part of what kept Sarah sane going through the morning sickness and all the pain and everything that has to happen to bring a little baby into the world. And the fact that she was going to see God's promise fulfilled in her life. You know, when we do the discipleship, we talk about the greatest thing that a person can know is God's will for their life. And the greatest accomplishment is to obey that will. And God's will is not some mystical, miraculous thing where you're sitting there going, 
Oh, I feel it. No, that's not God's will. That's probably what you ate for lunch. If you want the feelings, you get the obedience first. Then come the feelings. Can we say amen to that? And we look at the life of this one called Sarah. Waiting on God. Trying to help God out and failing. How how could you be more miserable in your failure than what Sarah did? But yet when God gives the final testimony, He puts her in Hebrews chapter 11. And he says that through faith she received strength. She was delivered of a child. And God used her to fulfill his promise to Abraham and to the world in which we live. Because Jesus Christ was in that physical line of lineage. It goes right back through Sarah's son, Isaac. You see, sometimes it takes more faith to wait on God than it does to be busy about things that we think are important. And when we surrender to that, we're going to learn and we're going to be obedient to God. That's that's a lesson that Sarah wants to teach us. I want you to turn with me to Judges chapter 5 and we're going to look at a person that's probably as different from Sarah as anybody in the Bible. And yet, she is going to refer to herself as a mother, but in a very different sense of the word. You know, one of the reasons... Our children grow up and they can't wait and they can't do this is because they didn't watch that daily perseverance at home. You know, sometimes life is boring. Have you ever found that out? It's the same thing over and over and over again. That's that's Sarah's story. She had to wait 90 years for that monotony to change and hold a baby that was her own. Was it worth the wait? God said so. But this next person, let's go to Judges chapter 5. And we're going to read verse 7 here. It says, The inhabitants of the villages ceased. They ceased in Israel... Until that I, Deborah, arose. That I arose a mother in Israel. Now this is the song of Deborah. Deborah was the only woman judge in the Bible. And uh, yet when she refers to her leadership... in, In the nation of Israel... She was the one that was giving general... Uh, uh, the general of the armies of Israel directions in how to fight the battle and all of that. I mean, you can't have more leadership than that telling the general how to fight the battle. 
And the general returned, I'll go and I'll fight the battle, but you've got to go along with me. Uh, he, he didn't say this literally, but it's kind of like, okay, ma'am, I'll go as long as you go and hold my hand. Uh, that's not a great way to fight a battle, now is it? Uh, if you're going to fight the battle, you want to get in and get that thing done. And Yet Deborah, as she described herself in, in many of our uh, uh, of these enemies of truth who want to reinterpret the Bible on a feminist uh, uh, mindset and all of those things. They love to go to Deborah. She was a judge. She ordered men around and she been. No, this is what Deborah said about herself. She said, I arose a mother in Israel. She didn't say, I arose a leader. She was. I arose a judge. You know what a judge was? A judge was uh, the man that God, or the person, I should say, that God had anointed, almost always a man, only one exception, that was Deborah, that God anointed to lead the people and gave direct revelation from God. And here we have Deborah. But when she referred to herself, she referred to that word, mother. Now, I think we got some things to learn here from Deborah. Just like Sarah, sitting still, waiting, waiting for God to do things God's way in God's time. <coughs> Excuse me. We have Deborah, who was giving direction. Do you think this might be a little bit of an illustration for us, maybe a biblical commentary, as I like to call it, on Paul's admonition for women to guide the house. Now, I don't know about your house, but ours has quite a little bit of clamor uh, from time to time. And it takes a little more than, will you take out the trash, Philip, to get things done? Now, Part of Dad's job, and we'll talk about this on uh, Father's Day, I'm sure, in one way or another, but part of Dad's job is to ensure that when Mom says, Philip, take out the trash, that she doesn't have to talk to him a second time. You see, boys aren't afraid of Mama. But they ought to be afraid to disobey. Amen? That's dad's job. But here we have Deborah arising a judge, and she says there was a problem. There were other gods. Look at the next verse there. They had turned to other gods. Uh, verse, verse 8, they chose new gods, then was war in the gates. Was there a shield or a spear seen among 40,000 in Israel? My heart is toward the governors of Israel that offered themselves willingly among the people. Bless ye the Lord. See, the world's got a statement they use a lot. The hand that rocks the cradle rules the world. How many of you have heard that one? Oh, I mean, it's everywhere. Uh, let, me, let me explain something to you. God 
intends for mothers to give direction and leadership in the home. It's got to be in the biblical context. It needs to be in that submissive spirit that the Bible talks about. But there, there was an issue here. Israel had turned to false gods again. They chose new gods. It was war in the camp. People were being uh, oppressed mightily uh, by uh, the armies here that were coming into uh, the land. And Deborah goes to Barak and says, You're going to lead the armies of Israel and you're going to get a victory. Let me ask you a question. How many of you have received godly leadership and direction from a woman in your life? I'll tell you what, a lot of us have. And if you growing up grew up in a home where there was not that kind of leadership and not that kind of thing, you know what? You can break the pattern and make sure your home has that kind of leadership. Deborah pointed Barak to God, not to Deborah. She did not order him around. She did not pretend to be a man. In fact, when Barak did not play the part of a man, as we might say, and said, you're going to have to go with me. Deborah said to him in the prophecy of the Lord that the greatest part of this victory is going to be taken away from you because you refused to be the man that you wanted to be. There's a place of encouragement and direction that God has put under the jurisdiction of women that cannot be replicated anywhere else in human society. People will do things. Never ceases to amaze me. They have these great big hulking football players on there and they're talking about how many other players they've injured and put in the hospital and they put the camera on them and what do they do? Hi, Mom! Every time. I mean, you would think that they would come up with something new, wouldn't you? No. Because I'll tell you, it takes the encouragement of a mother. In fact, this kind of encouragement is so important in the Bible that we have some real knuckleheads out there, I guess is a good word for it. Uh, Biblical idiots, we might call them who try to talk about the motherhood of God. And uh, God is God. But I'll tell you, where, where would our world be if we didn't have some godly women following Sarah's example, but standing up in that critical point in giving direction and leadership as is necessary. You see, 
there's a special brand of encouragement that can only come from Mama. And ladies, you need to be careful with that power. God has entrusted it to you. It's got to be tempered by the Bible. It's got to push that young one into the ways of serving God. That, that attention and that encouragement is there. And I think of, uh, of, of so many people God has brought into my life. And I, I, I've given this testimony before, I'm sure, of Mrs. Art Wilson. We had them out in 2000. Brother Art Wilson, one of the greatest preachers of the 1900s. Preached his first sermon in 1939 and his last sermon in 2003 over the telephone from his deathbed, literally. Just a day before he died, they hooked up a phone and he laid there in bed and they held the phone to his mouth and put the phone line somehow through the PA system of the church. Uh, That was just the kind of guy that Brother Wilson was. And uh, uh, when he was here in 2000, he was totally blind And nobody in our church knew it until after he left. He didn't want anybody to know it. He got up here and practiced on this little platform and he counted the number of paces so he could walk back and forth and and, uh, uh, just a great preacher. But Mrs. Wilson was a great friend. She just sat me down one day. I was a student in college and she said, Pete, it's not God's will for you to marry that girl. Because I thought I'd found the wife that I was going to pick. And, and, and uh, you know what? I am so glad that Mrs. Wilson had the spiritual leadership and gumption to sit me down. And, I mean, she read me the riot act. And you know what? I needed it. When you do that out of God's will, you destroy so much good. When you do it in God's will, it's one of the greatest blessings in this life. You say, how do you figure out the difference? Uh, Let's go back to Sarah. Amen? It's learning to sit still. It's learning to wait on God. It's learning to walk with the Lord in that daily basis and not trying to help Him out. But where would Deborah, where would Israel have been in this time of great oppression if it hadn't been for Deborah? And she described her leadership as having arisen as a mother in Israel. We could could go on. But I'd like for us to just get one more Lesson in it by might. Waiting on God. Encouragement and direction. Sometimes one sentence wetted with a mother's tears will do more than anything else that can happen on this earth. That was Deborah. I want you to turn with me to Luke chapter 1, if you would. 
And if you know your Bible at all, you already know who we're talking about here. Or have a good idea anyway. There's two women in Luke chapter 1, and we're going to talk about the latter one. Luke chapter 1. And in verse 26, it says, And in the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God unto a city of, Nazareth, a city of Galilee named Nazareth, to a virgin espoused to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David, and the virgin's name was Mary. And God told her that she would bring forth a son, and she said, How can these things be? And the angel Uh, Verse 35 said, The Holy Ghost shall come upon thee, the power of the highest shall overshadow thee. Therefore also that holy thing which shall be born of thee shall be called the Son of God. And we come down to verse 38. And Mary said, Behold the handmaid of the Lord, be it unto me according to thy word. Sarah Waiting on God. Deborah. Direction. Encouragement. To do right. Mary. Simple obedience. You know, one of the most horrible words in the English language... Why? I was preaching in uh, Washington State, Brother Joshua Jeremiah Baird. There we go. I got it right that time. Uh, Just a new church plant, just a few months old. And I was talking about that and trusting the Lord. And we like to ask why and I said, how many parents are out there? How many of you? Why is your favorite word? And and Jeremiah's two little boys just raised their hands. I mean, perfect sermon illustration. What more could you ask for? And, And we go back to this, just a little statement I like to repeat often, is one of the reasons God gives us children is to help us understand what he has to put up with from us. Amen? How many times you ask God why? I want you to think about this. I've never known a person, a preacher, in I'm talking ministry here, involved in ministry, who had to sit down and figure out a philosophy of their ministry and try to answer all of these why questions that hasn't put themselves in a place where they can no longer serve God or they're not serving God the right way. I have watched churches where the gospel was preached and now every Sunday morning is a rock concert. I've watched pastors and and Bible college students and other people, they sit there and go, I want to really understand, I want to be able to give them the reasons why. In fact, that nutcase that was here Thursday night said, You know, God has given me the ability to convince people that there is a God and to dispute evolution and and make them believe in God. I said, well, how well do you know your Bible? Oh, I don't know my Bible at all. I said, well, then what do you do? Well, I just convinced them that there is a God. I said, 
There's something really wrong with what you're doing. Because the instrument that God uses to help us understand who God is, is the Bible. And by the way, you're not God, He is. So you stop trying to figure out why. This is Mary's lesson, my friend. She just said, Bid unto me according to thy word. Do you know how many books have been written on the hypostatic union? How many church councils that they have had over the years trying to figure out how Jesus can be all God and all man at the same time? How much foolishness has been expended trying to understand something that Mary said, I don't understand. I'm just going to obey. Do you think that's a lesson that we could all use a little more of in our lives? See, Mary's son is the redeemer of mankind. Mary's son is the only hope for a sin-sick world. You know what it says about Mary? She pondered all these things in her heart. You know why you ponder things in your heart? Because you don't have a clue what else to do. But did that stop Mary from being obedient and surrendering to God's Word? Do you know one of the most important things they tell us this at, uh, in, in every level of understanding about the family. One of the most important things in a family is that a family sits down at the table together and eats a meal together. That's important. Oh, I, I go to great efforts. I just got an email last night. You, know, you talk about organic food and everything. Uh, we, we, uh, unfor- well, we buy it in bulk because of the size of our family. And so I get an email from BJ saying, if you have any spinach that you bought on such and such a day, throw it out. Don't eat it. Uh, it's a voluntary recall. There's nothing wrong. You're not going to die, but don't eat any more of it because you might. And I'm sitting there going. So I buzz up to my wife. Do we have any more spinach? She said, yeah, we're going to eat it tomorrow. Throw it away. But we already ate most of it. I know, I'm just doing what they tell me to do. Why does it have to be the organic brand that's bad, huh? But, but that's, that's the way the world is. Don't waste so much time looking for all of these ancillary things when the really important things is just being there. You know, I've pled with families in our church, homeschool your kids. It's not the easy way. It's the hard way. 
I can't homeschool your kids because if I did, that would be school. And then the government would move in and make us put a sprinkler system, central station alarm, $300,000 worth of renovations so we could have 25 kids in the basement when we're allowed to have 300 down there right now. Now, we've never had that problem, but I mean, I'm just trying to illustrate, if we could have 300 people down there homeschooling, we have no problems. If we call it real school, we got all kinds of problems. You see, kids don't need an education. They need parents. They'll have an education. I don't know of a parent that would keep their kid at home and not teach him to read and write in 18 years of living at home. I couldn't imagine that. And yet we regularly send our kids to school and they're taught to read the filth and offscouring of this world. They understand how to use condoms and how to use a calculator, but they couldn't think themselves out of a wet paper bag. Let me tell you something. It's time for us to stop philosophizing about things and trying to answer people's whys. I've got an, I got an answer when my kids go, why? Because I said so. Is that good enough? And if it isn't, we can settle that problem too, real quick. Amen? You see, it's time that we take Mary's attitude. She said, be it unto me according to thy word. You know, that's something that only mama can teach in the way that it stays all lifelong. Well, I want my children to be successful. And you think God doesn't? You, you think I, as your pastor, don't want your children to, to live a, a good and decent life? Uh, What planet do you live on? But I do want you to understand that God may have a little different definition of success than you do. And you'll do far better using God's dictionary than you will using your own. Can we say amen to that? You see, this thing called motherhood is so incredible. And yet, it's hard to preach on motherhood because there's so many people that can't be involved in the normal way of being a mother. Or there's other people who have had mistakes and you can't go back and you can't relive life. But I don't believe there's a person here, including myself, that couldn't benefit from a few lessons from some others. It's hard to sit still. It's hard to wait on God. It's hard to be faithful in the little things when no one's watching, when there's so many big things that need to be done. 
But the big things will take care of themselves. If we take care of those little things on a daily... That's that story, Sarah. You know, there will come a time when God is going to call upon you to give direction and leadership. But you've got to do it in God's context. Deborah did not say, I arose a judge in Israel, though she is listed in the, in the names of the judges. She said, I arose a mother in Israel. Because I understand I'm a woman and there are certain areas that I cannot biblically exercise authority in. There are certain things that I cannot do and remain obedient to God. And my place and my rulership, and she surrendered to that position, and God used her to bring deliverance, as He has so many godly women over the years. You know, we need to stop trying to figure out God. Stop trying to figure out why God does what God does. And just say, yes, Lord. You know, it's not complicated. I've had so many people, well, well, you, you just can't live a simple life in a complicated world. Uh, yes, you can. Talk to Shelley Silver. It'll keep you out of jail. He's going. Long time. Why, why can't we just do things simply? We could ignore the world a little bit and it would be to our betterment, would it not? We've got to stop allowing the world to set the standards. That's a whole other sermon. And start letting God set the standards. Some simple living in a very complex world will keep you sane or everybody else goes nuts. You know what? That's a good thing. Just some lessons from some mothers in the Bible and all God's people said. Dear Heavenly Father, we come before you And Lord, we ask that you would bring these lessons home to us. And that you would let us understand that it's not about us, it's about you. And Lord, you do not wish to demean women in any way, but exalt them into a very special position. Lord, we pray for those men that would not be willing to obey the Bible. We pray for the women who would want something more than what the Bible offers, that we would learn to surrender our wills to yours. And yet, Lord, these lessons that are taught are for every person in this auditorium this morning. Help us to wait. Help us to be faithful in the little things. And Lord, let us always be thankful for your forgiveness and your grace to keep us going. Keep us in your service. 
Help us to finish the course that you have set before us. And yet, Lord, when it comes time to stand up, we pray that we would understand and learn from the example of Deborah how to do that and still be the woman that God wanted her to be. Lord, we think of Mary, that young girl who was revealed to that she would be the instrument of the most incredible mysteries of the universe, how that God would become man and dwell among us. And yet, instead of asking for an explanation, all she said was, Be it unto me according to thy word. She pondered things in her heart, but she continued to be faithful. Lord, we ask that you would help us to be faithful to your word. To stop trying to figure out why, how, and all these other things that we would just do it. It is in your name that we pray. Amen. Let's stand together. The hymn of invitation.